This is All the Cool Parts number 24 for March 8th, 2011. Everybody, welcome back to All the Cool Parts number 24. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman. This week on All the Cool Parts, we'll be looking at Antonio Vivaldi's famous four concertos from his Opus 8 collection of concertos entitled The Contest of Harmony and Invention, those four concertos that make up his famous Four Seasons. <laughs> So, The Four Seasons. Um, This recording of The Four Seasons is really like no Four Seasons recording I've heard before. Um, A lot of the early recordings I heard years, years, years ago were oftentimes kind of overly polite and reverent in their uh, performance. Um, I don't know, some other words that would come to mind could be stale, sterile, sterile. these kinds of things. And this recording is just totally irreverent. It's full of fire. It's full of artistic liberty and exaggerated affectation. And this can be solely attributed to violinist Fabio Biondi and his group Europa Galente for just going over the top with this piece. But I think at the same time, really conveying what Vivaldi wanted to convey with this music. Um, What I'm going to do today is really break this piece down for you guys in terms of the program that it um, it's trying to convey musically and what Vivaldi was trying to do uh, programmatically. So what do I mean by program? Um, Program music is basically music that's trying to, to depict a program, whether that be a certain scene or some action going on, um, an idea, a picture, uh, whatever. This is program music. And what Vivaldi did was he had these sonnets, which it's kind of unclear whether he wrote them or someone else did, uh, depicting scenes from really kind of from Italian life uh, during each of the seasons. And what he did was he put these sonnets in the score and then in the score itself inside the music he wrote individual lines of these sonnets so like for instance in the winter concerto it would actually say in the score uh, something like teeth chattering from the cold and then the music would reflect teeth chattering in the cold and so this is what goes on through the whole thing so that's what I'm going to do I'm going to break this down 
I'm going to uh, tell you what each section is and what it's supposed to depict. And um, Fabio Biondi and Europa Galente, like I said, really just take this and run with it. Um, They have, uh, of course, they stick to the score. And then a lot of it, they go beyond what's written in the score to really convey this stuff. And again, I'll talk about that uh, when we get to it. Uh, A little bit of background on this piece. Vivaldi dedicated these concertos in 1725 to his employer at the time, the Bohemian Count Wenceslas, Count of Morzin. And uh, I'm going to read Vivaldi's personal dedication to the Count. And uh, it's a reminder to us today how servants, and let me be clear that in the 18th century, musicians and artists were absolutely thought of as servants to their masters. Um, And it's a reminder to us of how servants had to address the nobility and had to refer to themselves um, in this sort of uh, overly dramatic humility. So here is Vivaldi's dedication from this collection. Vivaldi says, quote, Thinking of myself about the long course of years in which I have had the honor of serving your highness in the capacity of master of music in Italy, I am embarrassed to realize that I have never offered a token of the profound veneration in which I hold you. In consequence, I have resolved to print the present volume as a token of my humility at your feet. If among these few weak concertos you find the four seasons for so long regarded with indulgence by the generous goodness of your highness i entreat you not to marvel at my folly but rather to believe that i have thought them worthy of publication because in fact they are more substantial than those other concertos you know in so far as they are accompanied by their sonnets which contain an absolutely clear declaration of all the things which are depicted in these works this i believe gives them the status of new works the intelligence that your highness possesses in music and the valor of your most virtuous orchestra enable me to always feel confident that my impoverished deeds in your esteemed hands will enjoy a greater ascendancy than they merit. So as Vivaldi said in that uh, dedication, uh, he pointed out that these sonnets were included and they're written in the score and uh, because he thinks this is a uh, a very new concept, and it was a very new concept. This is a very early uh, example of program music that only you know gained momentum. And we have a lot of programmatic pieces coming, you know, in the late 18th century, and especially in the 19th century, with pieces like uh, oh Hector Berlioz's Symphonie Fantastique. These kind of pieces. Um, that are heavily, heavily programmatic. So this was really a, a new concept, and uh, I think uh, Vivaldi was quite proud of it. And I think that's about the limit of pride that he could show <laughs> in the dedication. Um, so uh, let's get on to the music. I'll play these excerpts. Like I said, I'll go through these sonnets and tell you exactly what the music is supposed to be resenting. Resenting? No, representing, <laughs> and um, I don't think it's resenting anything. Maybe Vivaldi having to uh, kowtow to the the count like that, but um, yeah, what it's supposed to be representing, and uh, yeah, let's check out this just really 
awesome recording by Fabio Biondi and Europa Galente. So our first excerpt comes from Vivaldi's Spring Concerto, the first movement marked Allegro. And uh, what I'll do when I play the movements is I'll read you the whole sonnet that's associated with it, and then I'll go through, break it up, and uh, tell you you know, where the lines of the sonnets fall and how that affects the music and so on. Um, So let me read you this first sonnet that is associated with the first movement of the Spring Concerto. The sonnet goes something like, Spring has come and birds greet it festively with a cheerful song and with breath of gentle breezes, springs trickle with a sweet murmur. Lightning and thunder elected to announce it come and cover the air with a black cloak. Once they are quiet, the birds return to their enchanting song. So that's the the whole sonnet. Um, and w- how these things are constructed, or how they work, is uh, it'll open with some opening music. This is referred to as the ritornello. And so the piece will open up, it'll have this ritornello, then it'll move to some other musical idea and then it'll move back to a return of the ritornello then another musical idea then ritornello comes back another musical idea ritornello so this is kind of how um uh how this works um the form of these concertos worked at the time and so we'll basically start with the opening ritornello of the spring concerto and this is marked by vivaldi Um, with the opening line of the the sonnet, Spring Has Come. Next section, uh, Vivaldi labels it the Song of Birds, and it's accompanied by the lines from the sonnet, and birds greet it festively with a cheerful song. Then we have the return of the opening ritornello. Following this short return of the ritornello, we get the line from the sonnet, and with the breath of gentle breezes, springs trickle with a sweet murmur. Following this, we get another short return of the Ritornello. Then we get a section marked 
Thunder. And it's uh, accompanied by these lines from the sonnet. Lightning and thunder elected to announce it. Come and cover the air with a black cloak. Then after the storm, the Richardella returns in minor mode. Following this, we hear the lines from the sonnet. Once they are quiet, the birds return to their enchanting song. So we get to hear the birds return. Then we get to hear a solo cadenza for the violin. And then the piece ends with a return of the opening Richardella. So in the second movement, um, I, I should mention that uh, all these concertos and pretty much any Vivaldi concerto that you look at is all constructed overall in the same way. So they're all mostly three movements consisting of a first movement that's fast, a second movement that's slow, and the third movement that's fast. And that's pretty much how any Vivaldi concerto works, and it's definitely how all of these concertos work. So uh, we have... Uh, we had the first movement of spring, and then this leads us into the second movement of spring, um, which is, as expected, a slow movement, and uh, it's accompanied by this sonnet. So it says, Then on the pleasant flowered meadow, a goat herd, with his faithful dog at his side, sleeps to the sweet murmur of fronds and plants. And so what Vivaldi does here is he depicts this scene as a whole. And what he has going on here is three things going on all at the same time. He has the sleeping goat herd in the upper solo violin. So the violin's playing these long, lyrical, kind of sleepy lines. The middle voices are playing these dotted, kind of meandering rhythms like D these sort of undulating kind of rhythms and this is supposed to depict the murmur of fronds and plants and the lower voice is doing this sort of punctuated and quite harsh two-note repeating rhythm that's supposed to represent the barking dog
So from here we go to the third movement, um, the third fast movement of the Spring Concerto, and this movement is accompanied by this sonnet: "To the festive sound of rustic bagpipe, nymphs and shepherds dance under the beloved canopy at the brilliant appearance of spring." And uh, this is a common theme in music, as we saw with the Monteverdi episode that I did on Orfeo, the whole first movement was in, you know, set in this um, pastoral countryside setting. And the same here. So what Monteverdi, Monteverdi, what Vivaldi does here musically is he depicts the drone of the bagpipe in the lower strings. They just have these long drone-like tones. And over that, we have these lively dancing rhythms and it can sound like, you know, sometimes it's a group dance with different sections of the orchestra trading off um, these motives. And then at other times we can hear a solo dancer sort of coming out in, you know, a sort of wild abandon doing their own thing and then going back to the dance. And this is the movement that closes out this spring concerto. This brings us to the second concerto in the collection, the Summer Concerto. And the first movement of the Summer Concerto is accompanied by this sonnet. Under the harsh season ignited by the sun, man in flock languish and the pine burns. The cuckoo offers his voice and soon heard the young turtle dove and the goldfinch cry. Zephyr blows gently, but suddenly Boreas... offers opposition to his neighbor and the shepherd weeps because he fears a severe storm is in the distance and his destiny. So um, I should explain what Zephyr and Boreas is. Zephyr refers to the southern desert wind and the Boreas refers to the northern wind. 
Um, so in the first example, the Ritornello, opening Ritornello from the first movement of this summer concerto, is accompanied by the lines, Under the harsh season ignited by the sun, man and flock languish in the pine burns. Um, so... I'm turning the pages on my notes. Um, so here, Vivaldi, uh, he does somehow manage to create this music that gives the feeling of this lingering heat that kind of all you can do is just sit around and bear it. Um, he also says the pine burns. Uh, I don't think this, I don't think he means this literally like, I don't think this means like a forest fire going on. Um, a little background on myself. I, I grew up in Houston, Texas, or just north of Houston, Texas, in a city called Spring. And um, it's it gets punishingly hot during the summer in this area. Uh, also, this area is in a pine forest. So I literally grew up surrounded by these, uh, you know, forest of giant pine trees. And what would happen in the summer is it would get so hot that the pines would literally just turn brown and brittle from the heat. And so I think this is what uh this is what Vivaldi is referring to here. this we hear the line the cuckoo offers his voice and so we can hear the cuckoo bird in the solo violin get a return of the opening Ritornello. This is followed by the song of the young turtle dove. This is followed again by the goldfinch.
This is followed in the score by the line, Zephyr blows gently, which again, Zephyr referring to the southern wind. Then, but suddenly, Boreas offers opposition to his neighbor. So again, Boreas referring to the northern wind. And this depicts a coming of a violent storm and followed by a return of the Ritornello. Next, we have Vivaldi mark these, this section that's coming up, The Tears of the Village Boy, and it is accompanied by this line from the sonnet. And the shepherd weeps because he fears a severe storm in the distance and his destiny. So just like the text says, we hear the boy shepherd crying in the solo violin at this impending storm he sees coming at the distance, which does end up coming, by the way. Um, but the phrase and his destiny. At first, I didn't quite know what Vivaldi meant by this. Then I imagined what would happen to a big flock of animals when a powerful lightning storm hit, and I imagined it wouldn't be too fun for the shepherd to have to round up all those scared animals. So following this, uh, we have the storm actually hit, and we have the shepherd running around frantically, chasing animals all over the place, uh, the herd of animals stampeding, chaos, and uh, <laughs> basically just general mayhem created by this storm. <laughs> So here we come to the second movement of the Summer Concerto, and it's 
accompanied by this sonnet, the repose of his tired limbs is disturbed by the fear of lightning and fiery thunder, and by a furious swarm of flies and wasps. So basically here you have the tired shepherd represented um, by the long kind of understated lines in the solo violin. The wasps and flies are represented by the middle voices. And here's a real example I can point out of Biondi's going beyond the score to emphasize what Vivaldi is trying to convey. Here he has the string players play Sul Ponticello. This is uh, playing with the bow near the bridge of the instrument, and this produces kind of a thin, scratchy sound that emphasizes uh, the more treble uh, sound spectrum of the instrument. Uh, And this is something that's not indicated in the score. Uh, This is a choice that was made by Biondi and Europa Galente to... Uh, again, convey this idea of swarms of flies and wasps. And uh, this is interrupted periodically by this distant lightning and thunder in the low strings. So this leads us into the final movement of the summer concerto, and it is accompanied by this sonnet. Unfortunately, his fears are justified. The sky thunders and fulminates, and hail flattens ears of corn in majestic grains. So this entire movement depicts this violent summer storm, and man, people say that Black Sabbath invented heavy metal? I don't think so.
So that brings us to the third concerto in the cycle, his uh, Autumn Concerto. And it is accompanied by this sonnet, the first movement, that is. The peasant celebrates the blissful pleasure of a happy harvest with dances and songs and, glowing with the liquor of Bacchus, many complete their enjoyment with sleep. So this opening ritornello uh, is marked Peasant Festival Dancing and Singing, and it's accompanied by these lines, The peasant celebrates the blissful pleasure of a happy harvest with dances and songs. So the next section is titled The Drunkard and uh, accompanies the line and glowing with the liquor of Bacchus. So again, here, Biondi goes beyond the score, pushing and pulling the tempos to represent a drunkard kind of stumbling about, uh, bursting in and out of song and laughter, stumbling about some more and just generally making a fool of himself. So this section continues for a bit, and we get to a section marked The Dozing Drunkard, and it is accompanied by the line, Many complete their enjoyment with sleep. So here we can hear the the last kind of iterations of the drunk um, until he finally passes out and sleeps and dreams.
So that brings us to the second movement of the Autumn Concerto, which is accompanied by this sonnet. The air, tempered by pleasure, makes everyone give up dances and songs. It is a season that invites so many to the great enjoyment of sweet sleep. So this kind of reminded me of our own American autumn tradition of Thanksgiving, where kind of everybody parties and dances and drinks and eats until they've drunk and eaten so much that they all end up passed out on the couch. Um, this is kind of the kind of the same thing. And so this is uh, the movement uh, that's depicting the aftermath of the celebration. And so that brings us to the third and closing movement of the Autumn Concerto, and it is accompanied by this sonnet. At dawn, the hunters are off to the hunt with horns, rifles, and dogs. The wild beast flees, and they follow its trail, frightened already and fatigued by the noise of rifles and dogs. Wounded, it threatens languidly to flee, but overcome, it dies. So we hear the opening ritornello, which is marked The Hunt, and we hear right away Biondi transcending yet again um, what's written in the score by having the ensemble kind of fade in. And it creates this image of a group of hunters on horseback approaching from a distance. Uh, so we can hear in this music, we can hear, um, you know, stomping of horses, the calls of horns. And uh, this eventually gives way to the chase of a wild beast.
next section is marked The Wild Beast Flees and They Follow Its Trail. Frightened already and fatigued by the noise of rifles and dogs, wounded. Next, the line, it threatens languidly to flee, but overcome, it dies. And we hear that in the music, and then this movement closes out with a return to the opening ritornello, um, probably depicting the hunter's victorious return with their kill. So this brings us to the last concerto in the cycle, the fourth concerto, the winter concerto. And it is uh, the the opening movement is accompanied by this sonnet to tremble from cold in the icy snow in the harsh breath of a horrid wind to run stamping our feet every moment, our teeth chattering in the extreme cold and the opening ritornello is accompanied uh, to this line, to tremble from the cold in the icy snow. And here, you know, not only does Biondi and Europa Galente do a great job conveying the trembling from the cold part, but the harpsichordist performs the continuo part in a way I've never heard anyone else do. Uh, he breaks up the chords in these rhythms that are almost completely divorced from the steady rhythms of the rest of the ensemble. And the sound that he gets out of this harpsichord just evokes this feeling of ice, you know, icicles glimmering and shattering in the sun. It's really, really effective. continues with this line from the sonnet in the harsh breath of a horrid wind
and continues to run, stamping our feet every moment. This next section is simply marked venti or winds. This continues with the line, our teeth chattering in the extreme cold. And I think uh, Europa Galente do a fantastic job conveying this teeth chattering. And the movement ends with a bunch of feet stamping, trying to get warm. So the second movement of winter is accompanied by these simple lines before the fire to pass peaceful, contented days while the rain outside pours down.
And that brings us to the final movement of the final concerto in this uh, series of concertos, uh, the third movement of winter, and it is accompanied by this sonnet. To walk on the ice and at a slow pace for fear of falling, move carefully. To make a bold turn, slip, fall down. To go on the ice once more and run hard until the ice cracks and breaks up. To hear the Sirocco, Boreas, and all the winds at war leave their iron gates. This is winter, but even so, what joy it brings. So the opening ritornello of this concerto is accompanied by the lines, to walk on the ice and at a slow pace for fear of falling more carefully. And here, Biondi um, gives us the image of someone walking on the ice, sort of unsure of their footing, slipping and sliding all over the place. Walking slowly and fearfully. To make a bold turn, slip and fall down. Falling down. To go on the ice once more and run hard. the ice cracks and breaks up. Uh, the next section is marked to hear Sirocco, Boreas, and all. And it's marked more specifically Il Vento Sirocco, or the hot desert southern wind. And this is followed by the section that closes out the concerto. It's marked Il vento borea i tutti venti, which means the winds at war. Uh, well, that particular phrase means uh, the north wind and all the winds. And uh, it's accompanied by the line from the sonnet, the winds at war leave their iron gates. And then the piece ends with, this is winter, but even so, what joy it brings. <laughs>
And that is going to do it, everybody, for this week's All the Cool Parts and um, the first All the Cool Parts of 2011. And um, I apologize to the listeners. Uh, there was such a wide gap between episodes. Um, you know, us podcasters, um, for the vast majority of podcasters, uh, don't get paid any money um, to do these podcasts. Um, in fact, it costs me money to do this podcast. Uh, so it's truly a labor of love. And uh, sometimes real life can uh, rear its head and get in the way and uh, delay podcasting for a while. And it's a um, common thing in a, that uh, podcasters, that really all podcasters have to deal with. But hopefully I've got my schedule a little bit uh more secure now, and I'm hoping to put out um, a couple of these a month. So I'll try to do it bi-monthly um, for for now, and then maybe perhaps this summer I can start to churn out a little bit more. Um, so uh, thanks for listening uh, to this episode on Vivaldi's Four Seasons, um, played just so awesomely by Fabio Biondi and Europa Galente. And uh, I don't mention this enough on the show, but uh, I'm going to make a point to start mentioning it, is that if you like this music, um, please go and buy this CD on the internet. Um, don't burn it from a friend. Don't download it um, for free from a file sharing website. Please go and buy it. Pay money for it because these artists... Uh, they need the support, you know, to be able to do this, um, to be able to do this for a living and make this music, um, for all of us and, um, have it continue and not die. And, um, they need to be supported. So if you like this stuff, please go out and purchase their CDs and, um, t-shirts and underoos and, you know, whatever else they might have. Um, so, uh, with that, I will, um, say goodbye for this week and tell you guys all the information I always give at the end of the show. Like, please send us an email at all the cool parts at gmail.com. You can look at the show notes at all the cool parts.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Anthony Landman. You can go to my website at Anthony Joseph Landman.com and you can follow us on Facebook. So, uh, for next time, not uh, totally sure what I'm going to do next time. However, I can say that all the cool parts idle will return next time. And hopefully that will be in uh, a couple weeks that the next show will happen. So until then, I'm going to leave you guys with a little bit more Vivaldi to take us out. And I'll see you next time. Later.
Hey, performers, performing ensembles, and composers. All the Cool Parts podcast wants your music for All the Cool Parts Idol. If you're an emerging artist with a good quality recording and you'd like All the Cool Parts podcast to share it with the world, please email sound files and other details to allthecoolparts at gmail.com. Help me share your music with the world. All the Cool Parts podcast is brought to you by classical guitar luthier Tomas Barobia, maker of the cutting-edge triple-core composite top classical guitar. Powerful volume, world-class tone, and exceptional playability all in one guitar. For more information and free sound samples, visit his website at www.latticeguitar.com.